Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a, a slightly different perspective. You know, with more than just a passing interest about tossing leaves and twigs and seed pods into my tank, I'm far more obsessed than I used to be uh, about some of the more functional aspects of these materials in the aquatic environment. And the reality is that there's simply no real body of work in the uh, hobby upon which to draw for information on this aspect of our you know, craft. Sure, there's the occasional articles about how to aquascape with seed pods. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> or maybe there's some pieces about the selection of wooden stuff. Mm, there are. Uh, barely, but there's almost nothing about how these things affect the closed environment of an aquarium. Okay, nothing that isn't found in this podcast or blog. And yet as we delve deeper and deeper into the dark and seedy world of botanicals, I love that, it's kind of interesting to learn about the a few things about them that we may not know, like literally going just underneath the most basic level of information out there and not being afraid to search more academic stuff. And when we do that, you could find a lot of good information that could help you recreate and maintain more successful blackwater habitats and botanical style environments. And a lot of this starts with just a simple understanding of the botanicals themselves and how they impact the aquatic environments in which they end up. Or for that matter, understanding the wild aquatic habitats that are, you know, that we're so fascinated by replicating in our aquariums. And it goes beyond just the awesome aesthetics, of course. An interesting uh, place to start is simply to review a bit about the very composition of the materials that we play with, like seed pods and leaves and such. Now, many seed pods and similar botanicals contain a substance known as lignin. Lignin is defined as a group of organic polymers, which are essentially the structural materials which support the tissues of vascular plants. They're common in bark, wood, and yeah, seed pods, and they provide protection from rotting and give structural rigidity to the, to the botanical itself. In other words, they make the seed pods kind of tough. That being said, they're typically you know, broken down by fungi and bacteria in aquatic environments. Inputs of terrestrial materials like leaf litter and seed pods into aquatic habitats can leach dissolved organic carbon, or DOC, which is rich in lignin and cellulose. Factors like light intensity, uh, mineral hardness, and the composition of the aforementioned bacterial and fungal community all affect the degree to which this material is broken down into its constituent parts in the environment. Hmm, something we've kind of known for a while, right? So lignin is a major component of the stuff that's leached into our aquatic environments, along with that other big player, tannin. Tannins, according to chemists, are a group of what are called astringent biomolecules that tend to bind and precipitate proteins and other organic compounds. They're in almost every plant around, and they're thought to play a role in protecting the plants from predation and potentially aid in their growth. As you might imagine, they're super abundant in, well, leaves. In fact, it's thought that tannins comprise as much as 50% of the dry weight of leaves. Whoa, that's a lot. And of course, tannins and leaves, woods, soils, and plant materials tend to be highly water-soluble, creating our beloved black water as they decompose. And as the tannins leach into the water, they create that transparent yet darkly stained water that we love so much. 
In simple terms, black water tends to occur when the rate of carbon fixation or photosynthesis and its partial decay to soluble organic acids exceeds its rate of complete decay to carbon dioxide, which is known as oxidation. So chew on that for a little bit. Try to really wrap your head about it. Do a little research on that, and it'll start making some sense to you. And sometimes the research you do on these topics can unlock some interesting tangential information, which can be applied to our work in aquariums. Um, an interesting tidbit of science, uh, information from science that I found is that, well, for those of you who are kind of weird, and there are some of you out there who like having botanicals and stuff in your aquariums but hate the brown water, you can add baking soda to the water to, that you soak your wood and such in to accelerate the leaching process as more alkaline solutions tend to dry out tannic acid from wood at a greater rate than pH or neutrally or acidic water does. Or you can simply you know, keep using your 8.4 tap water and, and that'll help. So that's something to think about. Uh, a little armchair speculation. This might be a good answer as to why some people can't get that super dark tint they want for the long term. So for example, like if you have really alkaline water, those tannins are more quickly pulled out. So you might get an initial burst, but the color just won't last that long. Something to think about anyway. And not being a chemist, I can't give you 100% assurance that that's the case, but it is curious. Okay, let's get back to the biology of these ecosystems just for a bit and contemplate how some of those aspects of their composition and function can be applied to our aquariums. Now, during the rainy season in the tropics, overflowing streams you know, flood the rainforest floor and they accumulate the materials which fish communities utilize for food and shelter. And materials which fall from the surrounding trees and bark and banks uh, are, you know, pretty major contributors to the productivity of this ecosystem. As the waters recede somewhat, you know, temporary streams flow through these areas. So what you get is you get areas that were normally dry, now obviously covered in water. And interestingly, scientists have found that these streams have very little internal production of food sources for the resident fishes. Rather, the food sources come from materials like plants, fruits, leaves, and pieces of wood, which come from the surrounding terrestrial environment. Oh, and insects. Lots of insects from the surrounding trees and the shorelines, which fall into the water. These materials and organisms are known as allochthonous inputs in ecology. Materials imported into an ecosystem from outside of it. We've talked about this many times here, but I keep going back to it because it's really fundamental to what we do. This is a rather interesting point. Essentially, it means that these areas, rich habitats though they are, are almost completely influenced by outside materials. And as one might expect, as more materials fall from the trees and surrounding dry areas, the greater the abundance of fishes and other aquatic animals which utilize them are found. And materials will continue to fall into the water and accumulate throughout the periods of inundation, maintaining that richness in the habitat as others decompose or are acted upon by the organisms residing in the water. Not unlike an aquarium, right? Actually, when you do the research, you find out that the fishes themselves play a significant role in shaping the overall aquatic environment. Fishes which consume matter found in the substrate, detritivores, and other materials in the substrate, omnivores, also play a fundamental role in the transportation of organic carbon, which is a source of energy for downstream fish communities. So through their foraging activities, these fishes enhance the downstream transport and processing of organic material and ensure that the proper functioning of the aquatic system and its biological community occurs. These interdependencies are really complicated and really interesting. And it just goes beyond, you know, to show you that some of the things that we could do in our aquariums, such as utilizing alternative substrate materials, botanicals, tolerating the presence of detritus, and perhaps even utilizing submersion-tolerant terrestrial plants, are strongly reminiscent about uh, of what happens in the wild. Sure, we don't maintain completely open systems, but I wonder just how much of the ecology of these really interesting habitats we can replicate in our tanks. 
and what the potential benefits may be realized when we do so. Yeah, I think having just more than a superficial understanding of the way botanicals and other materials interact with the aquatic environment and how we can embrace and replicate these systems in our own aquariums is really important to the hobby. I think the real message here is not to be afraid of learning about seemingly complex chemical and biological nuances of these black water systems and to apply some of this knowledge to our aquatic practice. It can seem a bit intimidating at first and perhaps even a bit contrary to conventional aquarium practice. And if you force yourself beyond just the basic hobby-oriented material out there on these topics, hint, once again, there aren't that many, there's literally a whole world of stuff you can learn about and apply to what you do. And you should. Don't just take the stuff I write and talk about here as the last word on the subject. The most I can do is just get you interested and to, to go further. And the information that you can gain from the process just might have an amazing impact on your aquarium practice. Applications that just might lead to some remarkable breakthroughs that will forever change this hobby. And it all starts with looking under those leaves, both metaphorically and literally. You simply never know what you might find. Stay inquisitive, stay curious, stay open-minded, stay diligent, stay obsessed, and always stay wet. Till next time, this is Scott Feldman. Thanks very much for joining me. I wish uh, you a great, pleasant day or whatever you're doing, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.